ASI, you have downloaded Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Episode 28 of Season 4, Part 2 of Through a Man's Eyes. This is some preacher stone of the podcast here today. My name is Russ at ASI247.org. Actually, that's not my name. That's my email address, but you get the picture. (laughs) My name is Russ Shaw, and if you'd like to chat with me, uh, you can do that there via email. I try to answer every email that comes in, so uh, I wanted you to know that. I've had some technical difficulties with email through my host recently. Uh, so let me know if you have sent an email and I haven't received it. How would you do that? Uh, you could do it through Twitter. Um, you could do it through Facebook, uh, Russ Shaw at Facebook, see Russ Shaw at Facebook. Yeah, I think that's what it is. See Russ Shaw at Facebook.com. That would work too. Um, or yeah, at Russ Shaw, all one word is my Twitter handle. If you use Twitter if you don't, that's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> just being honest. But yeah, that's so that's my contact information. But I, again, I answer every email that comes in personally. So if you did not receive a, a an email back from me, let me know. Because uh, I, I think that's important. Um, I want to be in contact with the listeners. Surveys on the podcast. You can go to the survey page, fill out a survey. I'd certainly appreciate it. Um, I did say I was taking a sabbatical during the month of November. Uh, I am, and uh, but I still wanted to upload some content. So this is the second part of the message that uh, Craig Gross and Shante Feldheim did. And Craig said that I could go ahead and and share this information in this audio. So I'm going to do that. And so this is part two, uh, part one, I, I did last week with the Halloween episode and Alice Cooper. And I made a correlation between feed my Frankenstein and, and men's sexual appetite. (laughs) So for whatever that's worth, you, if you haven't heard that episode, you can listen to that. And I included the first part of this talk by Craig and Shante there. Uh, as well as a, a lot of my own dialogue about it. What I think is really important about this talk is that it is um, eliminating some of the shame, all right? Sharing this with your teenage sons, guys, um, even your teenage daughters, uh, women understanding this, young married couples hearing this message, understanding this, it's kind of like getting ahead of a porn addiction. Let me say that again. Um, it's kind of like getting going back in time, like me. If I could have had this information and been able to talk about it in my early 20s, when my wife and I first got married, it would have, it would have alleviated a lot of shame. All right? See, shame and guilt are two different things. Guilt, like if you don't feel guilty when you do something bad, like there's a problem, right? Like guilt is a positive emotion. We do something bad. We want to make a change. We hurt someone's feelings. We want to do better. Shame, however, attaches itself to our identity. Um, We don't just think we did bad, but we think we are bad. 
and that's a problem. Um, a big thing about my faith, I am a Christian. Whatever your worldview is, I welcome you to listen. I, I love folks from different worldviews that listen to the podcast. Uh, when I first started this thing, man, it was half Christians that listened. In some cases, the emails came in mostly wasn't from Christians, and I, and I love that. I dig that, and I'll be honest, I miss it because I think maybe that's something I... I I lost maybe through some of the Mars Hill rhetoric. Not that I'm blaming Mars Hill. It was me, right? I just, <laughs> I, went, I was a part of that system. Mars Hill Church, right? It was good, but there was some stuff that should have been um, looked at more closely. Uh, this podcast isn't just for Christians. So uh, I wanted to put that out there. But one thing about my Christian faith is that we do... Um, realize the difference between guilt and shame and being a child of God. I watched some horror movies over the Halloween season with my wife and uh, we watched The Right, which is based on a true story with uh, Anthony Hopkins and uh, another guy, I forget his name, but the true story in it was the guy, the priest who was, was sent to seminary basically kind of coerced into it because he'd have to pay some huge bill if he didn't go. But he goes to study exorcisms. And from what I've heard, this is based on a true story where this woman died during an exorcism and the guy is a skeptic. Like he doesn't know if he believes all this God stuff. And through the course of the things that he sees, um, he's convinced otherwise. But I've noticed that through not just this horror film, but some others, is that when facing the devil, reminding us that we are a good creation, like my friend Paul Young says, that we are a child of God, that we are, there's goodness in us, that we are created in the image of God. The devil hates that, right? The demon, the 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 villain, the whatever, right? In the story, in these horror films, the horror is happening because the the host doesn't know how good they are they are, right? That they are a child of God. So when I look back at my own story and realizing some of this very good science when it comes to sexuality um, if we could have talked about that, if we could have had a dialogue about that, if we could have had a conversation and understanding about it, where it didn't have to be something that's hid away in the dark, right? Where I didn't have to ignore that part of my being, um, it, it would have been a lot healthier, right? Now, that doesn't mean that I get to ogle other women or stare at them or drink them in, but it does explain part of the desire factor and the appetite factor so here you go this is uh, part two of that talk with uh, craig and shante and i'll be quiet and i'm done so till next time bye what about your brother what about each other we're about to smother the one thing that we need in life what about your For more information on the book, collaboration, and if you'd like to check out the workshops, 
go to the website menarevisual.com. Yeah, so the second point we want to share with you is this, this. This culture that we live in is a minefield for men and for women. Because men are facing things that they were never supposed to have to face and seeing image they were never supposed to see except in private with their wife, which is when this is a great thing. And yet, instead, they're having to really confront what has become a minefield. And so I'll explain the difference there, because obviously we've just heard men are much different than women. Um, but here's a, a Bible passage that I want to share in 2 Samuel. It's about David, not the one that your children are probably learning about in Sunday school about Goliath. This is a, uh, a different one. It says this, when that time of year came around, the anniversary of the Ammonite aggression, David dispatched Joab and his fighting men of Israel in full force to destroy the Ammonites for good. They laid siege to Reb, but David stayed in Jerusalem. One late afternoon, David got up from taking his nap and he was strolling along the roof of his palace, something we can all probably relate to. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was stunningly beautiful. So let's stop here for a second. This choice that Shanti's talking about, we're not at all making any excuses for men. Just because men's brains are wired this way doesn't mean that you fall in from sin to, from temptation to sin. David had a choice at that moment. Man, I shouldn't be on the roof. I, I mean, there's a number of things he could do. He did quite the opposite. David sent to ask about her, and he was told, isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent his agents to get her. After she arrived, he went to bed with her. This occurred during the time of purification following her period. Then she returned home. Before long, she realized she was pregnant. Later, she sent word to David, I'm pregnant. David then got in touch with Joab. Send Uriah the Hittite to me. Joab sent to him. And if you follow the story, David put him on the front lines of the battlefield and eventually he was killed. So that one look at Bathsheba, you know, looking once, you know, might just kind of say you're, you're a guy. Looking twice, I would say you've dissed your, your wife. Uh, going to find who that is and sending her up to your house. I mean, that's total disrespect, total sin, and there's no excuse for any of that. But this is what's kind of crazy to think that that, all that happened and the destruction that happened, the, the loss of influence that happened in David's life because of that. Obviously, David was married at the time, so was Bathsheba. And so that's just a wreckage of, of marriages all around. And, and so what, first of all, what men you have to realize is that, yeah, yeah there's, there's minefields everywhere. I mean, I was watching the Super Bowl this year with the, uh, all my, uh, well, my son and a bunch of his friends. In that fourth quarter, there were three overtly sexual ads. And, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, man, I, I don't know how they ever stand a chance in this world. I mean, these, these are ads that paid $3 million to be on TV. This isn't pornographic, but this, this stuff is highly visual, highly sexual. I hear from men all the time, oh, it's not, at least it's not harming anyone. It is. Because, men, we don't see the perspective of how women see this. Because women, immediately, when you, as a husband, look at another woman, when you go pursue pornography, when you go chase something other than your spouse, immediately your spouse goes, what's wrong with me? 
And let me tell you, wives, there's nothing wrong with you. This has nothing to do with you 99% of the time. This is an issue that he's dealing with. I mean, I hear it all the time. Well, that, that person, I just saw a TV show of Kirk Franklin, and, and he was on with his wife, and he was talking about how he was addicted to pornography, digging in a dumpster. People started emailing me, why? Craig, his wife's beautiful. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a struggle over here. It has nothing to do with you. And so, men, if we understood how women see this, I think it would change a lot of our perspective that this culture is a, land, a minefield for women as well because they're walking around going, how do I compete with that? You know, how, there's Bathshebas, there's, there's things all around us and women immediately go, man, I, I don't compare to that. I, I can't live up to that. And I would say this, women, like your husband doesn't expect you to look like a Victoria's Secret model, doesn't expect you to go do this or this and that. And he just wants you. But yet there's stuff all around us. We were at my favorite donut shop and my wife now says she's not eating donuts this year for uh, fried food. I don't know, but I, I am. And so we drive an hour to go to this. It's amazing. If you're ever in Orange County called Sidecar Donuts. So we're driving an hour. We stuff her face. This is when she was eating donuts. So this kind of fits the story. So we're in our minivan. My kids are in the back seat, and we were just full. We've just ate donuts. And in front of us, this is before the book and all this kind of stuff that my wife's learned now from reading Shanti. And uh, this woman walks in front of us in her neon green workout outfit that didn't consist of much, uh, you know, spandex that was on there. And she had the weights on her arms and she's, you know, overly walking like, you know, doing, I don't know, I guess exaggerated kind of walking. And she couldn't hear me because the windows were rolled out. And she's literally right in front of my car. And I said to my wife, I got my workout clothes on. I'm doing a workout. And my wife's like, I'm glad you're looking at her. I was like, I'm, I'm, who isn't? I mean, she's in front of our vehicle. I didn't stop and turn around. And it was one of those things of, of like my wife's got, you know, donut crumbs on her face. <laughs> and she says, yeah, I feel, I feel gross. <laughs> I, and it was like this long hour ride home. <laughs> Now you see why my wife's not eating donuts this year. You know, it was one of those like, man, because internally she's kind of processing that. And I was like, Jeanette, I'm not, I'm not staring. I'm just, I was, because women, I mean, guys, let's be honest. If your woman is, if your wife has spotted somebody, there's a good chance your husband's already found that person in the room or is already aware of that. So for me to just go, oh no, I don't see her like in the bright green right in front of me, then I would be lying. So I just, I, now the conversations with me and my wife have, sh have shifted. We're at the beach last week in South Carolina. And, and you know, my w wife's kind of been on this journey with us, like as, as I've had to read this book and talk through a lot of this stuff. So we're out at the beach and my wife says, so the beach is probably a pretty difficult place to be. I was like, you think? Like, yeah. I, and then I made a joke. That's why I bought Elise a bathing suit. She's 10 for when she's 15. I'm buying clothes now because I can't imagine what they're going to be like in five years, what bathing suits and, and clothes. My daughter's like, these don't fit right now. Well, they will. And uh, I don't think clothes are modest today, really, but I can't imagine where we're headed. And so my wife and I just sat on the beach and we were able to talk through that as a, having a 12-year-old boy and, and me being a male. And, and I think it gives you a different perspective, especially for my wife to, to know, man, I have a daughter. We have a son. This is stuff that, that they're going to deal with. Man, I have a husband. And, and once again, we're not saying if you went and you did something like David, 
that we're going to just chalk that up as men are men and, and they're going to go through this. No, that, that is sin. And that is, that is way beyond what we're talking about. And that's you. And you got to understand that this isn't just harmless, that your wife, and it's emotionally killing her, those things. Even if it doesn't have to do with her now, that's something that you guys have to work through. And our hope would be that, that you can have these kind of conversations, that, that you can start to just say, hey, we can, we can talk through this stuff and we can get through some of this stuff as we understand a whole different perspective. We were trying to teach this to my son, you know, at 12. And I mean, yeah, Shanti's right. Like, it's the last thing I wanted to hear. My wife's like, yeah, you know how, like when your father gets out of the shower, like who walked by and yeah, it does nothing for me. And I was like, no, when mom's in the shower, like I, I would love to be a lot closer, you know, like, you know, like she, I need privacy. I don't, you know, it, and it's just completely different. And some of that is, is a great thing as it relates to your spouse. Because I know like as a, as a husband, I want my wife to be, I, I want those images of my wife to be what my fantasies are, not something out there, but that's the world that we live in that maybe it wasn't intended to be like this. But since it is, how are we going to get through this? Which leads to the, the third point for us as women, especially to be aware of, which is the more that we are aware of this, the more that we can try to, to get some knowledge in this area, the more we can understand our man, our son, the more we can support them. Because let me tell you, ladies, the men, I can guarantee you, if I were to survey the men, and I do all these anonymous, nationally representative surveys all over the country, we've now interviewed and surveyed more than 16,000 men and women over the last 11 years. If I were to do a survey of the men in here, I can almost guarantee you that at least 90%, and it probably is higher than that, but at least 90% of the men in this church would tell me they hate this struggle. That they don't want to be confronted by this stuff every day. Like a lot of guys tell me that they wish that they had these magic sunglasses that they could go out in public with that would block those sights, you know, the way that regular sunglasses block the UV rays. Because this is a difficult culture for them. They don't want to have that stimulation, that temptation, and then have to constantly make these choices. They want to have those sights only with their wife. And so we need to understand this. So what are the action steps that we can do? We're going we're gonna to go back and forth, give you a couple of ideas. And there's so many different ways that we could go. We're just going to give you the barest starting point for what we put in the book. But here's the most important one by far. Pray for the men and boys in your life. Pray for your husband. Pray for your, your boyfriend. Maybe you're, you're thinking of getting married and you're not sure whether his issues that he's kind of tried to explain to you are are really big issues that might make, oh, maybe we shouldn't move forward in this relationship until he gets his act together. Or maybe he's just trying to describe that he's living with a very normal male brain in a very abnormal culture. You know, pray for, for him. Pray for your son. And pray for understanding and strength and compassion for you as well to be able to walk this through. Because as, as, for example, the conversation that Jeanette had with Craig, once she started to realize this, this, this ability to talk with our husband 
it opens up so much more intimacy because he finally feels like he can share something that he knew before that you would never understand. And it was kind of really just a part of his life he just dealt with on his own. Well, I don't know about you ladies, but I don't want my man to have to deal with this on his own. I don't want my son to grow up without guidance. I want to help. But here's the key, the next step, the next action step in order to be someone who can support and can help and can come alongside is how do we respond to what we hear? Be very calm. (laughs) No matter what it is that we're talking about, that's not to say that if you're hearing some hurtful things that you have to shut down your feelings. No, of course not. But that doesn't mean that you flip out either in a way that makes him shut down like he can't share those things. And, and yeah, it, it requires a level of responsibility where you're feeling hurt, like, well, he should be the one taking the responsibility, which of course he should, but that doesn't mean that we don't have any. Be ultra calm. This is especially, this is especially important, by the way, when it comes to your sons and learning how early this starts. I'll tell you when this started for me. My son was four years old. And we lost him in the mall. And we suddenly were like, oh my gosh, where is he? And we run back through the mall and we see him standing thunderstruck in front of the Victoria's Secret window. <laughs> you know, mouth open, staring at the big life-size pictures of the women wearing not much, right? And, he, and he, we run back, we're like, oh, are you okay? He was not listening to us. He was in another world. Because he raises his little arm and he goes, I like those ladies. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing research on my four-year-old, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, um, they're, they're really pretty. Uh, what do you like about those ladies? <laughs> Their bare tummies make my tummy feel good. He's four, but he has a male brain and his nucleus accumbens is lighting up. And this is when I realized, oh my word, this really is baked in the cake. And And what is my responsibility as a mom? And what does Jeff, my husband, do to try to help shepherd this young man into being a man, a young man of good choices, of godly choices, where otherwise he'd be totally bereft and he wouldn't know how to take his thoughts captive? We started working at four years old. We started adding a whole new new meaning to that little song, Be Careful Little Lies What You See. And we started talking about what does that mean when something comes up on the television? And, and so we would have a thing where the, all the males in the house would just, you know, something comes up on the television, we'd just gently say, eyes down. And it, practicing that so that as he got older, as he got older, he'd be able to see the sight and look down himself. And the hope is that by doing that and helping with that, that he's building habits that will set him up for being able to, as much as he can in this culture, trying to honor women and honor God in his thought life that hopefully will help him for the rest of his life. But none of these conversations that are now normal for us would ever have happened if if I hadn't been able to handle that in a way that was fairly calm. (laughs) I don't know that it was always calm. Every now and then I would run into the bedroom and go, ah! Truly, it really does make a difference. And you'll try it. You'll see. Um, So as you do this, by the way, 
the other thing to do that will help you to maintain that peace, that, that sense of calm, is to understand something really, really critical, and I should have said it right at the beginning. And that is, there are millions and millions and millions of men who actively try to take their thought cap thoughts captive, who are trying to handle this temptation in a way that it doesn't turn into sin. Remember, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without sin. So remember, the, the temptations, the stimulation, that is not sin. It's what you choose to do with that. And there are millions of men who are trying as best they can to do a good job with that. And what we hear in the research is that the more that a boy or a man tries to make those choices, the easier that discipline becomes, just like any discipline. But there are also many men that have grown pretty weary of the struggle. They have made some poor choices doesn't mean that they're a sex addict and they're all the way over into that side of things, but some of them have made poor choices and they feel incredible shame. And this is where being able to unburden yourself to your wife and be able to talk through this, what is this like for you, is a big deal. The next step in that, the next action step is also really critical, which is ask him what you can do to support him. What does that look like for you, honey? What would make this easier? What can I do other than pray? And this is where you might hear all sorts of things you never even would have considered. I had several men, I had one pastor, we were doing a pastoral interview on stage, I do that a lot, you know, talking about the subject where, you know, the pastor will bring me in and interview me as like the sermon time. And, and he, one pastor said something that hit a nerve where he said, I don't think my wife realizes that the reason I don't want to go see the chick flicks with her isn't that I'd rather see something be blown up. I mean, yes, I would rather see something be blown up. But the reason I don't want to see the chick flicks is that I don't want the sex scene from Cold Mountain in my head for the next 10 years. And this was about 10 years ago that he said that. And, you know, the next weekend I was at a marriage conference and I thought, huh, and I shared that comment and a couple came up to us afterwards. And they said that when I had shared that, the wife turned to the husband and said, I don't remember that there was a sex scene in Cold Mountain. Without missing a beat, he said, yep. It was burned into his brain and he did not want it there. And so what can you do to support? Well, you know what? It would be awesome, honey. I'm really at a vulnerable place right now. I'm worried about losing the job. I'm you know, working a lot of hours. It's really tempting. Could we put a parental code on some of those channels on the, the cable just so that I'm not even tempted? Now, what a huge difference to be able to ask that and know that you'll receive it in the spirit in which it's intended instead of, what are you saying? Are you saying you're attracted to other women? What are you saying? And to be able to have that conversation and build that level of intimacy could make such a difference. He might, he might ask something like, you know, is there any way that you know, you could cancel the Victoria's Secret catalog subscription. <laughs> he might ask something very sensitive, which is, well, I'd really like more images of you in my head. And to be aware, ladies, that sometimes in our intimate time together, men are visual. <laughs> and this is one of the things that they use as ammunition out there. And finally, just be aware, for, for finally for my part, for me as a woman, can I just plead with you? ladies, to, to learn how to be empathetic to our men. 
without endorsing poor choices. Those are two different things. You can be empathetic. You can, be, you can understand what they face, even if you're actually very upset with some of the choices and you need to work through that. But that truly is a level of compassion that if you ask the Lord to give it to you, he will. Number, well, I don't know, we're not keeping track. So <laughs> next screen, I get this one. Uh, be mindful of the things that you and your daughters are wearing. And, and, and I get that, that you might instantly go, oh, what? Like, what? no, it's his problem. I can wear whatever I want. And Shanti did all this research that actually shows most women don't understand or they don't even think about what guys think of when they get dressed and when they wear clothes. Because I'm like, no, she knows she missed 18 buttons on her shirt. She she's knows that, and she knows that guys are going to look. And what she's found out is like, they're, they're just, no, that's comfortable. Uh, I didn't realize that. And, and so let me tell you what happens to a guy. I mean, I don't go to nightclubs and parties. I speak at churches. So in the lobby of a church after I talk, normally there'll be a woman that will come up to me and and sometimes they're in tears, sometimes they're talking through kind of the struggle that they've had with their husband in this situation. So, I don't know, it, more than I can remember, I'll, my wife, you know, she asked me about it. Oh, that woman was crying. What did she say? I don't know. Because she missed like four buttons on her shirt. And so I, I, she came walking up to me and I was just like, oh, you know, and then in my mind, it's like that clip where I was like, I'm not, I don't need to look there. And so then I'm looking up here and then it's like, were you even listening? No, because I'm thinking, don't look down, don't look down, don't look. And then she's like, can you pray for me? Like, oh yeah, what are we talking? Like, I'm just gone because I, and I said to my wife, trying to explain that one to my wife, like, it's awkward. Like it would be way better if she just buttoned up her shirt and then we could have like that normal conversation. And I think in regards to what your daughters are wearing, whether it's at school or whether it's at the beach, to know those 12-year-olds, those 13-year-olds, those 14-year-olds, and that's what they're going to be looking at. We live in a world where Kim Kardashian posted 19 selfies in a period of 24 hours. Most of those selfies with shots, you know, here and there, and that's the world that we're living in. And what I'm saying, it's, it's challenging, so be aware of maybe some of the clothes that you're wearing. A couple more real quickly. Offer to talk about it and learn how to be a safe place. And I would just use this analogy. Instead of a detective or a police, how do you sit next to your spouse? How do you sit next to your child instead of face-to-face? Where you're coming after them and saying, oh, you, you know, how can you just, like that conversation my wife and I had on the beach going, yeah, this is probably pretty challenging. Even if he, he's caused you pain, even if, if you know, you have kind of the, the cards are stacked where you know, man, he did this, I saw him doing this, he was pursuing this website. How do you actually then approach it to go, hey, let's talk through this? And guys, your wives have this crazy thing called women's intuition. So I thought it was just my wife, but uh, I mean, that's just, they're on to you. They, they, they understand things that you haven't even told them. And, and so if you are hiding things, I mean, it's, the conversation is never gonna go well when they suspect something and then you don't come clean. But instead of playing that whole detective route, how do you just kind of go, man, I'm a safe place. And finally, I would say this. If your husband or, or the, the boy in your, in your house needs help, tell him that you expect him to get help. And so this is, this is I mean, man, husband's like, we don't want another mom. We want our wife. And I think sometimes I get so discouraged because guys will know what they need to do and then they don't do it. And so as a wife, they're going, no, you need to do this. You need to go into counseling. You need to do this. You need... And, and, and I would say, 
wives, tell them you expect them to find some places to get help. And husbands, man, you, you need to step up. When you walk out of any campus that you're at right now, there's a, a, something called starting point. You can find out more about the, the different resources of, of the different campus here at Central. There's Celebrate Recovery at many of these campuses. There's life groups at all of the campuses. So just this church alone has several resources that might help you if you're really struggling in this area. Man, I get discouraged sometimes. We, we, we deal with a lot of parents, you know, and, and I've got, you know, obviously, like I said, I've got kids and I'll talk to the, the moms and they'll say, man, I really wish my husband would step up in this area and, and talk to my son about this. And if, if that's your situation, man, this is, this is on, on you. If you're raising boys to say, no, I'm, I'm going to have this conversation. I'm not going to just lay this all in my wife's lap because, man, she doesn't understand what it is. Now she does, but she doesn't fully understand what it is that it is that we're going through. Man, your wife is, is more important than any of this stuff. Your family, the calling that God's placed in your life. So I would just urge you, if you know that you're struggling and you need help, to go find that help and realize, man, your marriage is worth it. It's more important than any of this other stuff. I'll close with this. The story of, of David and Bathsheba, if you go back to that. I kind of was just kind of thinking through it, and I mentioned David and Goliath. We all know that one. And it's crazy that that's the same guy. The same guy that knocks out a giant named Goliath with a slingshot and a couple rocks. Walks up the stairs of his palace and sees a woman in a bathtub and falls into all that and so I don't want you to just stop and leave there and discourage. Oh, gosh, I mean, there's no hope. No, there is hope. Because imagine this, like had David had some of those safe places. It says that David saw that woman and he sent his guard, his right-hand man to go get her. Imagine if that was an accountability partner, a strong leader that would say, no, David, hey, remember, like, now that story's not going to end well. What about if there was not only a lock on the roof that, that David was aware of those situations and going, man, I know that that's a trap, that I'm not going to go there. What about if David and his wife at the time were able to talk through this stuff so he was able to go down there and just explain that to his wife and going, hey, we need to make sure, man, well, let's move. Let's move to a different palace that doesn't have these kind of stunning views. <laughs> but instead, I mean, that's the thing. And women, if you understood that, Man, when it can happen that quickly, and, and I hear all the time, it doesn't mean that they don't care about you. It doesn't mean that, man, it, it, David stopped thinking at that moment. And then, man, if he could rewind that, I'm sure he would. There's a fact that when actually David got called out on it and he actually got found out, he could have actually lied and he could have actually said it was somebody else, but that's when he broke down and he just said, yes, it was me, and he repented of it. Man, our hope and our desire through a conversation like this at a weekend like this at Central is that you would be able as a household to process this stuff, to have some of these conversations, to not just avoid kind of the elephant in the room to say, oh yeah, that's just gonna happen, but let's talk through this. Let's understand each other. We could probably talk for like five weeks on the whole flip side of it about men understanding women because I think they're a lot more complicated uh, than us men, but she would differ on that. Um, but we, that's our hope, that we, we would just understand each other a little bit more and more. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. Dear God, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you just for the amazing things that, that happen 
at Central because they, this church cares about families. They care about marriages. They care about the people sitting here in these seats and online. They want to strengthen their marriage and strengthen their families. And God, I thank you that there's tools and there's resources and there's places for us to go reach out and ask for help. God, I pray for all of us that are raising kids in this generation, the challenges that are coming with that. But God, I pray that as parents, we're able to step up and not only have these conversations with our kids, but able to lead them through this. I pray for the, the marriages, some of them that are dealing with some, this, this message just brings up hurt. God, I thank you that, that your Holy Spirit your, is our comforter, is, is a healer. So God, my desire would be that marriages wouldn't stay broken, but God, that they would start to mend, they would start to communicate. And we would start to just be open and honest with one another about the different temptations and struggles that all of us have. God, we thank you that, that, that you're our way out. That God, the Bible says when sin is there to trip us up, that, that God, we don't have to stay getting tripped up all the time by this. God, we thank you that, that through your, your son Jesus, that that's the answer. God, I pray, I pray for the families. I pray for the men and the women. If we just remember just one of these things that, that we talked about today to put that into action, I think our eyes would be wide open. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.